So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Arda. And this, the 19th of January. It's um, 19th of January. It's the second Sunday, actually, in ordinary time. My name is Jan Keeley, and help me to produce the programme again this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Progress in. So we especially want to welcome uh, listeners who are housebound to us this morning, uh, lonely and struggling in some way, and our listeners who support us each week in prayer. We do meet them, actually. We, we meet them around the place, and, and, and people make comments and, and are really learning about the saints these days, uh, like the music we're playing, but also like the reflections, the gospel reflections. So thank you indeed for those comments, and please keep them coming. To remind people again, our programme is broadcast on Sacred Space, at West Limerick 102 Local Radio, and that's at 10am and 11pm each Sunday, and is available for playback and download on commonseeinspirations.buzzsprout.com. It's also available to be heard on Spotify and iTunes by searching Come and See Inspirations, and also you can you can access the Come and See Inspirations um, Buzzsprout website through our own sacred space 102.blogspot um, blog that we've had going for the last 11 years. As usual, our, our, our programme this morning will include, of course, Saints for the Week. Shane will share those with us in a few seconds. And this week we have a topic that we're, um, we wanted to introduce because next week um, Pope Francis has introduced the third Sunday in Ordinary Time has been the Sunday, the Word of God. And, of course, the Word of God is very important for us here in the programme. So we've, we've already gone to the best and we've asked Dr Jesse Rogers, who is Professor of Scripture at the Theology Department in Maynooth, to join us, and she will share with us her thoughts around what Pope Francis um, has suggested we were thinking about and the reasons why he's introduced the Sunday of the Word of God. But that's in part two. And in part three, of course, we will continue uh, to read and reflect ourselves on the Sunday Gospel. Again, if you want to contact us, please do so. Text us 87 That's 87 6088667 or email us and that's on sacred space 102 at gmail.com so again we say thank you indeed for for the comments please keep them coming and suggestions at the same time so shane saints for the week please who do you have for us this week so as you said john um we have a couple of interesting ones this week. Of course, we're into the first week of our... We're sorry, we'll be into the second week of Ordinary Time. So people have noticed a change in the colours that have been used around the altar and in priest's vestments. So into the green of Ordinary Time. Very appropriate, of course, coming into the spring. Oh, well, we will be in a few weeks. It's a bit hard. It's a bit hard to talk of the spring, given the weather we're having at the moment. <coughs> Excuse me. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week two. Um, so then, 20th of January, we celebrate the feast day of St. Fabian, a pope of 14 years and martyred under Decius in the year 250 AD. Then, as well as that, we have the feast day of St. Sebastian. Sebastian was a soldier and he was martyred in the, martyred on the, in the persecutions of Diocletian. And um, the interesting thing about Sebastian is you'll see him pictures of him. He's generally pictured full of arrows, as I think that's generally how he was understood to have been martyred for the faith. Then on the 21st of uh, January, we have one of the more interesting virgin martyrs in the church's calendar. We have the feast day of St. Agnes of Rome. Generally, 
Agnes is one of the few female saints mentioned in the Eucharistic prayer. That's canon, the Eucharistic canon. Uh, Eucharistic prayer number one is a canon of the Mass. And she is one, it's one of the most ancient venerations of martyrdom that has come down to us, particularly to do with a female saint. Uh, she basically was ordered to make sacrifice to the Roman gods around the age of 12 or 13, or she was going to lose her virginity. She was taken to the temple of Minerva and refused to do so. Um, numerous people offered, young men offered to marry her, but she refused to give, what the, the way it's described in the martyrology is that she refused to turn uh, to get married as it would be an insult to her heavenly spouse. And then she was a martyr. Now, given the time of the day it is, I'm not going to go into the details of the martyrdom. Thanks. Interesting. Interesting thing is, Feast of St. Agnes in Rome is generally the day that the Pope will receive the two lambs who are, will be blessed and whose wool will be used to make the new palliums. Now, these are the bands of white wool which the Pope confers on archbishops as symbols of their jurisdictions as metropolitans. Um, so that takes place generally on the 21st of January. On the 22nd of January, we have the feast day of St. Vincent or St. Vincent of, of Saragossa in Spain. Again, one of the early martyrs of the church martyred in 304. He was a deacon of the church and refused to give up uh, on those that uh, uh, he was supporting in his ministry. Then on the 23rd of uh, January, we have the feast day of St. Coleman of Lismore. He was a monk under St. Hirlug, an abbot archbishop of the monastery of Lismore in Ireland in 698. And during his leadership, Lismore's fame for holiness and scholarship reached its peak. And he died of, in 702 AD of natural causes. Then on Friday, we have the feast day of one of the once upon a time seen as a very, very serious saint in the church. Uh, that is the feast day of St. Francis de Sales. Now, Francis de Sales, he is a bishop, was a bishop of Geneva, founder of the Vincentian Sisters, Visitation Center, Sisters even, and he lived between 1567 and 1622. Now, it's an interesting one. He came from a very wealthy family and went through a number of spiritual crises during his life. His family did not want him uh, to enter the church. He was the eldest of his brothers and sisters, and um, but he persisted. Um, he's very much regarded, his writings have very much uh, led him to being declared a doctor of the church by Pius IX in 1877. And he's seen as a writer, a patron of writers and journalists as well. The Salesians of Don Bosco, the Oblates of Francis de Sales, and the Missionaries of St. Francis de Sales are named in his honour, although he did have, he had nothing to do with their establishment. And he was just... Uh, um, very much known uh, with his with his writings. Um, if you've ever read some of his 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 books, um, it, they're still very much in print. Very much still um, books to which people are referred to as spirit for spiritual nourishment. Um, generally, the most famous one, of course, is the introduction to the devout life, um, and it's it's the one which probably most people may have heard of. Um, it's 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 not the easiest. It's heavy going in terms of reading, but there are some beautiful gems in it. You know, he's a writer of his time, um, and his feast day we celebrate on the twenty fourth of uh, January. 
On the 25th of January, we we celebrate one of the feasts of the St. Paul, which is the feast day of the conversion of St. Paul. So, of course, this is marking um, the road to Damascus moment. Um, so that feast day is celebrated on the 25th. And it also, if memory serves, John, it marks the end of the week of prayer for Christian unity. Um, so there will be, in Rome, there will be a Vespers in the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls, uh, yes, the 25th to 25th of January is the last day of the of the days of prayer for Christian unity, and generally on that day, the, the vespers or evening prayer is held and uh, led by the Pope, and attended generally by leaders of the different uh, uh, Christian communities um, who join together for those evening prayers. Uh, this year, the theme of week of prayer for Christian unity is they showed us unusual kindness, which is taken from Acts 28:2. So that's what we have, John, in terms of this week's uh, liturgical. Odds and ends. Thanks for that, Shane. Shane, um, we did mention to our listeners, uh, I think it's before Christmas, about this liturgical calendar that we work with. And I think it might be no bad idea if you just maybe just mention it again to our listeners, just explain explain it to them what it contains. We, I think we call it the Ordo, don't we? Yeah, um, I suppose it's as you know. We've on the program, we've we've we we, we often make the point that we we make great time for what is. Um, the liturgical year as opposed to the civil calendar. Um, so the church the church marks time, and it does so because, of course, it marks the occasions of the great events in Christ's life, uh, such as Christmas and, and, and Easter. But throughout the year, then, it's broken up into liturgical events. And the Ordo is the is the calendar of events which touches that. So it, it's, it's the listing of um, the various uh, saints, uh, feasts, memorials, and um, uh, that are, are held throughout the year. It also, um, the, 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 liturgical for, the liturgical calendar for Ireland is published by Veritas on behalf of the bishops, and it includes things like upcoming you know, special days of prayer, like the days for Christian unity. There'll be things which are very particular to the Irish calendar, like, for example, things to do with St. Patrick's or uh, the Holy Days of Obligation in Ireland. Um, it also covers kind of basic introduction to the liturgical norms, the announcement of Easter, the proclamation of Christmas. Uh, it deals with things like when, um, when you know, what, what days cannot have funeral masses on them, for example. Just, just things like that. It also includes things like the Pope's intentions. So that's, that's what we have when we refer to things like um, the, 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 the order. It only cost, uh, it only cost 11 euros, so it, it's cheap enough. And uh, Shane said you can probably get it from the Knox Ryan Bureau, uh, Bureau anyway, at least, uh, if not others, around the place, maybe in, Newca- in uh, Limerick City. But what, the one thing that I like about it, to be honest with you, is it gives us the readings for the week. And, like, you know, it, it gives us the first reading and the psalm and the second reading, the reference to them. And also roughly what it's about. So, for instance, I'm just looking to hear it on Monday next uh, and I think the reading is from from Mark chapter two, and it says that um, Saul is failing as king because, uh, sorry, it's, it's the first reading. Samuel Saul is failing as king because he does not act with authority and so on and so forth. It gives a little bit of background. So, um, to me anyway, if I'm not too sure even what reading there is at mass and so on and so forth, I can check the order and a very brief outline on the saint for the week. I know Shane gets a bit more information elsewhere, but it gives a little bit of an outline as to who the, who the saint was and, and what service they performed um, for the church. So thanks a lot again, Shane, for that. And that's only cost €11. Euros. You can certainly get it from the Knox Ryan Bureau in Limerick. 
Okay, now it's time to go for a, a prayer before we uh, play our first bit of music. This morning I thought I'd, uh, I'd pray a little bit of different prayer, one that we've all heard, one specifically that I hear quite a bit, um, prayed at, at Mass in Newcastle West, um, especially after Holy Communion. And maybe I suggest maybe listen to uh, listen just listen to this this morning, and maybe let the Holy Spirit speak to us through this. Lord, I give you my hands to do your work. I give you my feet to go your way. I give you my eyes to see as you see. I give you my tongue to speak your words. I give you my mind that you may think in me. I give you my spirit that you may pray in me. Above all, I give you my heart that you may love in me. So with that, we might go for our first bit of music. This one is by Valimir Jensen, entitled In My Heart, Lord, I Want to Be a Christian. So let's hear this. In my heart, in my heart, Lord, I want. 
So welcome back again to the second part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. At this point of the programme, it's a delight for me to welcome onto the programme again, again, actually. I think we spoke with this particular person um, during the Christmas time, uh, Dr. Dr. Jesse Rogers, who, who works in the um, St. Patrick's College in Maynooth in the Department of Theology, I think. Good morning to you, Dr. Jesse. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning. I need somebody, Always a pleasure. I needed somebody to help me out today because... Um, we thought we'd have this program on uh, this particular uh, um, this particular topic on uh, speak about it this week, even though it doesn't start till next week. I'll explain. Uh, Pope, Pope Francis um, wrote an apostolic letter uh, back in September of last year, thirtieth of September, uh, establishing the third Sunday in ordinary time, which is next Sunday, to be the Sunday of the Word of God, i.e., that is proposed that. Uh, we would devote a day to the celebration and study and spreading of the Word of God. So to help me to, to break that down a little bit, thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Jesse, for coming on to join us. So I suppose for some of our listeners, well, for all of us actually, maybe a good place to start. What is the Word of God? Okay, that is a very good place to start because when you hear Word of God, I know for me perhaps the first thing that comes to mind is Scripture. I mean, that's my my job and my passion, I teach scripture. And so, in a sense, when we say Word of God, and certainly for this Word of God Sunday, we're thinking of um, scripture proclaimed. But it's really interesting that in, in, um, in the scripture itself, when we speak of the Word of God, the Word made flesh, in the first place, the Word of God is Jesus Christ. So when we call scripture the Word of God, we're not calling a book the Word of God, but we're calling the communication um, that happens in many ways, but also through Scripture, God's communication to us, um, which enables us to get to know Jesus. That is Word of God. Okay, so thank you so much for that. Now, um, so why does Pope want a Sunday to be devoted to the Word of God? Well, as he stresses, um, in one sense, every Sunday is a Sunday of the Word of God. But So it's not a new feast, but he said he wants one Sunday um, where, as, as the people of God gather together um, to worship, that we really focus on and recognize um, the importance of the table of the Word, because, um, you know, when we, when we come together for Mass, we have the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist. And sometimes we can kind of fall into thinking that the way our faith is nourished um, at Mass is through the body of Christ, through the Eucharist. But in actual fact, there is the one table, which is the table of the Word of the Lord and the body of Christ. And both of those nourish um, and support our faith. And in both the, um, the bread and the wine and in the scripture proclaimed, um, we meet with Christ and we are nourished by Christ. And so in that sense, as I say, every Sunday is a Sunday of the word of God. But Pope Francis, um, who, who knows in his own life how, um, how powerful scripture is, to enable us to, to get to know Christ. He wants 
um, just to help people to really focus on the fact that it's through the scriptures proclaimed and through um, the bread and wine of the Eucharist that um, that we meet and and get to know Christ. In fact, he actually quotes um, Saint Jerome, who said, "Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ." So it's not that Pope Francis is thinking, "Oh, you know, we as Christians we also have Scripture, so why don't we kind of look at that as well?" He's, he's passionate that we get to know. Um, and that we encounter Jesus and recognizes that the Word of God um, is one of the ways at Mass that we encounter Jesus. And so, yeah, it's, it's always a good, if, if you want to kind of draw attention to something, if you can set aside a particular Sunday, um, it just means that people can be very intentional about yes. uh, yeah. focusing mm. on it. And the Pope also mentions the connection between the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. How do you think the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Scriptures? Um, well, if we think of how the Scriptures came to be, um, we believe that the Scriptures are inspired of God. That means that even though it's a long um, process, there are many different people who contributed to um, what has become our Scriptures, from the storytelling to the writing down to the editing to deciding what is in and out of the canon. Yet we, we believe that in all of that, the Holy Spirit was inspiring, leading, guiding, so that what we now have um, as our canon of scriptures is what the Holy Spirit um, kind of brought into existence. But that's not where the work of the Holy Spirit stops, because the, the Holy Spirit doesn't just um, isn't just involved in the writing of the text, but also um, the Holy Spirit that we have within us by virtue of our baptism actually helps us to to hear and to understand um, what we hear when the scriptures are proclaimed. And so, in a sense, the Holy Spirit that um, breathes into the scriptures breathes in us and helps us to, to hear and to recognize. And in a sense, takes what on one level could just be words and, and, and brings them to life. Um, although the, the story of the road to Emmaus doesn't mention um, explicitly the Holy Spirit, but I think when, you know, when the disciples um, were walking along and Jesus joined them and they didn't recognize him, and Jesus opened the scriptures to them, um, they then say, "Weren't our hearts burning within us?" That that's kind of that's that I'm sure is that's the Holy Spirit making the words come to life, so that we can really understand and we can hear them, um, and that they can change us. And, and, and Mass each week, um, we have five, we have actually four readings from Scripture each each week at Mass, and. So just for some of the listeners, just to remind us again, how are they divided up and why? Right. So um, the, the, the scriptures, in a sense, are all shaped around um, the gospel. So, you know, that, that, that fourth reading that we have when we, all, when we stand and in, there in a very particular way, as we hear the stories about and the words of Christ proclaimed, um, that's kind of like the highlight of this, of this liturgy of the word. But if we're going to understand the story 
of Jesus, um, we, we believe that all of the Old Testament and the story that the Old Testament tells is um, the, 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 work of, the, the work of God in the world preparing for the coming of Christ. And as we know, Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was shaped by the scriptures. And so what we do is we have the gospel, but then the first reading introduces some theme or some image or something that's going to help us to understand the gospel. So that's the first reading. The second, um, the second one is the responsorial psalm. And that gives us, as the people of God, some way of responding to whatever we've heard in the first reading. Um, and what I find, if you get a little confused and think, what kind of where does it all go to? The the actual response that we say is often quite an interesting key. It kind of helps us to um, to respond. So, for instance, the Sunday of the Word of God, um, when in the reading we'll hear about, um, about the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And then the responsorial psalm, the response is, the Lord is my light and my help. So that, those are the first, two read, the first reading and then the response. And then the second reading, um, or, so the third one we hear, which is called the second reading, is from somewhere else in the New Testament, usually from the letter, um, one of the letters of St. Paul. And that reading is fr uh, mainly from letters that, um, that St. Paul or one of the other apostles wrote to Christian communities who were doing what we're doing on a Sunday, gathering together um, to, to meet Christ in the Word and in each other. And, um, and whether it's encouraging them or helping them to understand something properly or giving them a hard time for, for, for um, ignoring the word, um, there'll be something there that St. Paul or whoever is writing it is, is teaching us as, as Christians. It can be a little confusing, that, that reading from the New Testament, because it's not so deliberately tied to the, um, to the gospel reading. You know, whereas if, if, you'll find, and I don't know if, if, if the listeners maybe um, do this, it, if you if you have um, a mass leaflet, and if you take it home, and you read the gospel, and you read especially the first reading, you you begin to see how the one sheds light on on um, on the other, and so that's why some people say, "Oh, it's an awful lot of readings to read," but um, yeah, if if we hear each of them, and then especially if the if the priest in the homily helps us to kind of really get what's, what's happening in those readings, um, then I think it is actually very rich that we have a number of different readings. And as you just mentioned there, the homily, I mean, that, that's such an important element for us because, again, as you just alluded to, it might be a little bit confusing, maybe we don't understand uh, the meaning of some of the readings coming through, but that's where the, the importance of the, of, of the priest explaining in the homily what the Word of God yeah. would mean to us today. Would that be something like that? The, the, the homily, and it's interesting that um, Pope Francis's letter that introduces the Sunday of the Word of God has a piece there stressing how important the homily is. Um, and a homily is a little bit, it's not a, it's not a lecture, as we know, and it's not, a, it's not even like a Bible study. But what, 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 the, what the priest, I'll say, is or should be doing in 
the homily is having prayerfully reflected on particularly the gospel, but the gospel in the light of the other readings. And I'd, I'd say through the week, I'd hope that a, a priest would start their preparation for the homily on the, the Monday. And, you know, as they've reflected on that, as they've connected with, um, with the people in the parish um, in terms of various pastoral situations, the, 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 what happens is the priest is able or should be able to, with the help of God's Spirit, see how is this, these readings, and particularly this gospel, how is this word of the Lord for um, the people of God gathered here this Sunday? And so the, 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 the priest in preparing the homily actually has, a, I'd say, an awesome responsibility um, because it, it helps us to, to hear, yeah, to, it, after we've heard the words proclaimed, it just helps us to, to, to get, okay, this is, this is the essence of what it's about. And as I said, there's something that's not quite explaining. And I'm sure you and, and the listeners know when, you, when, you've heard, when, when you've heard a homily that it kind of does feel that um, you know, your heart is burning yes. and you think, yeah, that, that is God speaking to me. Um, so that, that's really what the homily should be doing. Now, I mean, Sunday by Sunday... You know, often it's I kind of said it a very sort of it's 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 not it's not doesn't feel like an epiphany each Sunday, um, but steadily, bit by bit, um, we're being shaped by the Word of God. And maybe if um, if I can just throw in there, um, that's the the homily and the importance of the um, the homily and the responsibility of the um, the priest or the homilist. But there is something I think that we can do as um, as well as um, as people who, who gather Sunday by Sunday. Um, it is so helpful to um, if the if the people in the congregation have actually read and prayed with the texts, um, um, whether it whether it's sort of more formally in, in a lexio divina group, or even just you know, even just. Ha- um, Sort of having the text and reading them. Now, now if we don't have a, if you don't have your own uh, missal or lectionary, or, um, another option is to take to take the missal um, or the mass leaflet home with you, and then what you've heard on the Sunday, then to keep to keep reading them and keep going back to them, because there's something about that just that slower repeating, um, and I've often had people who've who started. Um, reading the, and praying with the, the readings before the Sunday, who, they'll say, cannot believe how it all came to life um, during, during the Mass. And it kind of, then this idea that the Scripture proclaimed is Word of God and it's the Word of the Lord, it, it stops being just words and nice-sounding theology and actually becomes a lived experience. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I can just move on to, to, to something else, you know, specifically about next Sunday. And the Pope mentions about something about the enthronement of the Word of God. What does he mean by this? Yeah. Um, the, I, I, I think probably what, what he mainly has in mind is it's, 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 a, it's a way that the, the centrality and the importance of the Word of God um, is shown. So the most common way, perhaps, if, um, for this enthronement of the Word of God would be, and I'm sure many of, um, many of our listeners have 
seen this and perhaps experienced it sometimes or often, where you have a procession at the beginning, um, and the book of the Gospels is carried in and it's held up, um, and then kind of laid, sort of, um, and and when we use incense, all of that, everything that draws attention to the fact that in in this book of the Gospels is the word of the Lord. Um, all, all of that is what's meant by the enthronement um, of the word of God. Um, and yeah, so and, and the incense, and I'd say e- e- even the when when you when the gospel is read, um, if you have perhaps two altar servers standing on each side with a candle, you know anything like that which puts the spotlight on um, the, the the word of God in the mass. And it's not, you know, so we have, can might have special ways of marking it and putting the spotlight on it. But as I, I said earlier, you know, it's it's not that um, we're introducing something new into mass, so much as just really focusing again on um, this aspect of mass, which we can, yeah, sometimes overlook. Yeah, I think that's true. Just one final point there. Um, the, the Pope also speaks about blessing of readers and commissioning of the ministers of the word and suppose he's emphasising the importance of the task preparation and so on and so forth. Maybe could you speak a little bit around that, about the readers? Yeah, well, if you if you think of um, people who are extraordinary um, ministers, you know, in terms of um, Eucharistic ministers and how seriously that is taken because um, people who have that ministry are... Um, are giving to others the, the the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Christ. But readers are proclaiming the word of God and so are enabling people to encounter Jesus in the word heard. So the, the, the role of a reader is incredibly important. And particularly because as as you know, if somebody doesn't read clearly, um, you know what, what can happen is the the word is proclaimed, and, and we don't, yeah, you know, we, we don't hear it. We can't make sense out of it, and so readers have um, an important role, um, a very, a very privileged role, and and one that um, that that can really really help others. To um, to encounter Jesus at Mass, and so as I say, their their um, their their task and their ministry is really really important, and um, that's why the Pope suggests that there's a blessing of readers or a commissioning of um, of ministers of the Word or readers, just to I suppose remind the whole congregation to re- to remind everybody assembled there um, that. These people in our midst are serving us and serving the Lord um, by their Sunday by Sunday reading. So, yeah, we commission them as a way of um, recognizing, as a way of asking God's blessing on them. And I guess it works the other way in that it just reminds readers um, of the of the awesome privilege and responsibility that they have. 
Thank you so much for that. I suppose really what the Pope was trying to do there was to remind us again about the importance of that part of the Mass where the Word of God is proclaimed. And as you said, most of us tended to emphasize on the Eucharist diet, uh, on the table of the bread and the wine, and we forget about the Word. So maybe this is a chance for us maybe to to keep that in mind as we come to Mass. And I thought it was so important this week, and thank you for coming on, for you to, to just introduce that little uh, segment for us. So as maybe next week when we come to Mass and we hear about this Sunday, the Word of God, we have some application for it, maybe some a few little ideas, maybe not yeah. forget to take home the leaflet with us, or whatever it might be. Thank you so much indeed for joining us, uh, Dr. Jesse, and please, God, we'll speak to you again some other time. Great. Thank God bless you, you so now. Bye-bye now. God bless. Bye-bye. So now we'll go for our second piece of mu- our first second piece of music, and this one, it's uh, a beautiful one entitled Open My Eyes, Lord, and it's sung by Shine. So let's hear this. Oh 
So welcome back again to the third part of Commons Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, uh, joined by Shane Ambrose on the other end of the Skype line. And again, we thank Dr. Jesse Rogers uh, for joining us there in part two to share her thoughts on Sunday, the Word of God, which, of course, the Pope is, has asked us to celebrate next uh, next weekend, next, next Sunday. Um, and, of course, as Jesse did say, the importance for us now to to maybe have that leaflet with us, if we can, bring it home from Mass, to be able to prepare for the Sunday Mass that we are attending. So maybe uh, some of our listeners out there might be able to bring home the Sunday leaflet and maybe pass it on to those of our listeners who are sick and can't get out of the house and are on their own. Just pass on that leaflet to them maybe Sunday. So at least our, our listeners who who weren't able to access that reading might at least be able to have the, have the reading and follow us as we read the gospel and um, and do a little bit of reflection on it. So before we we proceed any further, Shane will share, share this prayer that we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you res- which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. Seeing Jesus coming towards him, John said, Look, There is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I spoke of when I said, A man is coming after me who ranks before me, because he existed before me. I did not know him myself, and yet it was to reveal him to Israel that I came baptizing with water. John also declared, I saw the Spirit coming down on him from heaven like a dove and resting on him. I did not know him myself, But he who sent me to baptize the water had said to me, The man on whom you see the Spirit 
come down and rest is the one who is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yes, I have seen and I am the witness that he is the chosen one of God. So that's the gospel for this week, Shane. You got a, maybe a thought or two you might want to share with us on that, please? Yeah, um, well, we can try, I suppose. Um, one of the challenges, of course, is that, of course, we're still dealing with the gospel of St. John. And, you know, it's not sometimes the easiest thing in the world to try and reflect on. So here, of course, we have, and what's, of course, what's even more confusing, of course, is the fact that it refers to John, and John talks about John. So it gets a little confusing when you're trying to work through it. And, of course, we have here the, the Baptist, John the Baptist, and he is explaining his understanding of who Jesus is and how he understands Jesus' role in comparison to his own. And, of course, we have this whole thing, of course, the great tradition or the great way it's put that John must get less as Jesus gets greater. Um, you know, that, that whole line that's assigned to the great, bap- the great, the great baptizer, the cousin of Jesus himself. Um, it's, it's an interesting one, of course. He says, behold, there is the Lamb of God. And I suppose it's an interesting one. Where would you go with that or what would you reflect on it? And it's, it's an interesting one because, of course, in the Synoptic Gospels, that's in Matthew, Mark and Luke, when we hear the account of, of Jesus' baptism, it's very much presented in the context of the forgiveness of sins. But in the Gospel of St. John, it's presented to us more as um, its purpose is to reveal Jesus to Israel as its Messiah. Um, you know, so, uh, but then when John makes this reference to the Lamb of God, here we see the reference to the forgiveness of sins, because, you know, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I suppose it's, an, it's a, it's, 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 it could almost be a throwaway line because it's something that we're so familiar because we have it in the Mass every time we have Mass because it's part of the Agnes Dei, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, that we can lose the significance of what's being said. And of course, the fact that Jesus is the person who is was presented and understood in the early teachings of the Church and is still understood, of course, that way, as the, the sinless one who has taken away the sins of the world, fitting very much into the tradition of the, the Lamb of Sacrifice at the Pass of the Jewish Passover uh, or the scapegoat for the, Jew, for, this temple cele- for the temple sacrifice as well. And I suppose for us in Ireland, it might be something for us to worth pondering on uh, this Sunday because, of course, um, we have the great um, Eucharistic uh, sign, which, of course, is the apparition at Knock. Um, Knock, I suppose, in an Irish context, is very much seen as a Marian shrine because, basically, as someone said, uh, Mary came to visit Ireland and she brought the entire family with her. Um, But part of that, of course, is the fact that uh, you have this, this, this tableau on the back wall, of course, of the Lamb of God on the altar, on which kind of Mary, John, and Joseph are kind of to are, are to one side, and the angels are adoring. And people have often said that it's that knock isn't so much a Marian shrine as it's a Eucharistic shrine. It's a sign which very much focuses on the Lamb of God, the Blessed Sacrament, and the message that ha- that has for us and for the world. So that could be just one thing to think about on this Sunday. The other, I think, to think about, I suppose, to take away and, and to f- worry, uh, look at, is, of course, the idea of humility. 
Um, not something we're probably going to hear an awful lot about in the between now and the 8th of February. Uh, politicians, by their very nature, can't be necessarily humble. But it's something maybe for us to think about in terms of leadership in our communities, in our families, and as we, as it happens, leadership in our country at this moment in time. And the contrast that's given to us as John the Baptist is uh, the one who lowers himself down to be a servant of the people to give them the baptism of forgiveness. And it's an interesting one just to think about. I thought I thought it was appropriate somehow as we start into the, the election campaign. It's an alternative understanding of leadership. Thanks, John. For that, Shane. Thank you for thank you for posing those few thoughts to us. Okay, myself, my own my own reflection. Um this week the phrase that jumped out at me from the gospel was indeed that one. Look, there is a Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At as at a lecture divina meeting with Father Frank Dewick during the week, just to remind people again, that's on in the Newcastle West Parish Centre, uh, Pastoral Centre, uh, eight fifteen to nine fifteen every every Monday evening. It's open to all. Uh, and he posed this question for us uh, to ponder, maybe as we reflect on these words during the week. And his words to us were, "How comfortably are we hearing these words addressed to us?" But he changed it slightly. Rather than there is a Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there is a Lamb of God who takes away my sins. Mm. I must say, when I heard those words, uh, I stopped in my tracks. I'd heard the priest over the years say those words, but it never really connected with me, with my sins. I always believed that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And because that was a kind of a general statement, didn't really, it didn't really connect with me about my sins. I was part of the whole creation, and my sense of guilt was lost in the vastness of all people. And it's funny, during the week, during this last week, I, I paid a visit to Ashford Church. It was the Feast of St. Ayton, myself and Anne paid a visit there during the week. And I just noticed a large painting on the wall behind the altar, which showed Jesus on the cross with the words underneath, Behold how he loved. Behold how he loved. And now I understand a little bit better how much Jesus loves me because he died for me even though I hurt him with my sins. When we go to confession, we're asked to do some penance by the priests and we think, oh, great, I've made up for those sins now. That's all there is to it. But now I realise a little bit more that Jesus suffered for my sins. That's the price that was paid, not my few little things that I'm asked to do by the priest. So... What can I do to attempt to repay him? And maybe this week we can, we can all ask ourselves maybe these few questions. How comfortable am I with the words, this is the Lamb of God who takes away my sins? And what can I do this week, maybe starting this week, to attempt to repay him for that, to reflect on that? So I suppose as we listen to those words at Mass, each time we come to Mass, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, or takes away my sins. Maybe we should think and think about thanking God and praising God for all he's done and all he's doing for us. Those are the few words, anyway, that, that struck me this week. I, I was very much um, taken by Father Frank's suggestion to us to, to, to just reflect on that, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I never really thought about it too much before. It was maybe like most people, it was just part of the prayers that were said during Mass. But this week, for some reason, the Holy Spirit decided to put that in my mind. So I said I'd share that with people. Anyway, thanks a lot, Shane, for sharing the programme with me. No hassle, John. And of course, our thoughts go out again. Uh, uh, thanks to, uh, go out again to, to um, Dr. Jesse Rogers, who joined us in part two again, reminded us of, um, again, what, what the Pope said. You know, there are two parts of the Mass, the table of the Word and table of the Eucharist, uh, which is we, what, what we probably know more of. Maybe we might take a little bit more time uh, from now on to take a little bit more uh, interest and attention to the first part of the Mass, um, the first reading, connecting with the, with the with the Gospel and so on and so forth. Just not, as Father Frank often says to us, we don't have to repeat the whole Gospel and the whole liturgy where women come home. The Holy Spirit, just ask, ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just might, might have one thought or one word that the Holy Spirit wants to put in our hearts to take away for the week. Might challenge us and it might encourage us. Anyway, that's it. We'll do it again next week. Next week, actually, we have uh, Sister Mara Grace coming on from the Sisters, uh, Dominican Sisters of Cecilia in Limerick. And they've got quite a few things happening these days. But she's going to tell us all about them next week. So be sure and join us again. Myself and Shane will be back at the same time and the same place. In the meantime, we'll go out with our final piece of music. This one, I thought it was appropriate uh, with my reflection there this week. I'm going to go out with um, the Limerick Gospel Choir singing. Thank you, Lord. So next week for myself and Shane. God bless you all now. Bye.